Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Bible study. It's good to see everybody. Good to be back. Good to be home. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you get a chance, you can listen to the last couple of weeks, uh, download the podcast. Uh, we were uh, podcasting, doing our Bible study from a couple of different locations. One was in China and the other in uh, Thailand. And uh, both of the podcasts have some uh, translation interpretation as part of them. And so they move a little bit more slowly than me just talking to you uh, because they're being interpreted at the time. But uh, I think it's understandable. I listen to both of them, and I think the message comes through. So it also gives you a little flavor of uh, some of the things that we're doing when we're overseas and when we're visiting our people there. So kinship is very much the same as it is here, the kinships that you go to. So. Uh, it's really exciting to see that and exciting to see some of the things that are going on there. So uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, please do. Let's open our time in prayer and uh, ask God's blessing on it. Father, thanks for uh, your love for us. Thanks for uh, your work in our lives. And I thank you that you're all about us growing and really changing and becoming the people that you want us to be. So tonight we ask that you would really apply your word to us in a real and a powerful way. That God, it would not be get stuck somewhere in our head, it wouldn't get stuck somewhere in our thinking or in our mind, but Father, I pray your word to really reach into us and be creative in, in our hearts and our spirits and our souls, God. And I pray, Father, that we would allow that process and allow that work to happen in us to receive all that you, you have for us and all that you want to do in our lives tonight. So we pray that you speak, we pray that we have ears to hear, we pray your word will penetrate into the deepest parts of us, and I pray for change, I pray God, uh, deep change in us, and that Father, we would receive something new tonight, a revelation, an understanding, an inspiration, something God, uh, that we might receive uh, as you're here, and as you're speaking, and God, as we find ourselves in your presence listening and hearing you. We give you thanks tonight. We ask God that you would bless this time. I pray we focus, leave the day behind, and allow you, God, to really, really speak into our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Psalm 76. If you need a Bible, they're located on the tables, and you can feel free to grab one. Psalm 76, uh, and as you're turning there, just a reminder that we have an interactive feature uh, for Bible study. It's uh, through a website, www.speakpipe.com, slash, and it's all one word, Monday Night Bible Study. And uh, if you go to that page, you find a button that you can toggle, and then you can leave us what would appear to be a voicemail. And it could be a question, it could be a comment, it could just be saying hi, it could be... Um, sharing something good that God's done, whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you're listening to us in another country, it'd be great to hear from you and uh, hear uh, where you're at and what's going on there. So uh, if you get a chance, drop us a line, and we'll try to play it at one of our meetings. So Psalm 76, I need a volunteer to read verse 4. All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, 
Basically, uh, what that verse says, anybody have a different translation other than that one? That was a good translation. I mean, they're all good. But what does yours say? You are more glorious and excellent than the mountains of Okay. All right. That's a good one, too. And anybody else have one? What do you have, Kim? Yes, yes. All right. So there's a few different versions of that. Um, in everyday language, however, uh, the way that we would express, and if you listened very carefully to what was being, uh, what was written there and what was being read, you'll hear what I'm about to say, because it's really what it says. And all it says is, you shine. All right? That, that's the... That's the meaning of what's there. And, and you heard the elements of that in, in what was read. You are resplendent. <laughs> right? And, and, and there are a few other things that were, that were clues on that. But basically the language there is, uh, is a language that just describes something that shines. Like the sun shines. All right? And the picture... And if you've been around long enough, you've heard me say this a number of times, but especially in the Old Testament, and particularly in, in the poetic literature of the Old Testament, like Psalms, that's part of the poetic literature, they, it speaks in word pictures. Uh, that is common to Hebrew. And so it draws word pictures for the reader that they would have understood that it's more difficult for us to understand because... We, number one, don't read it in Hebrew, and number two, we really don't understand their word pictures very well, uh, just as people reading the Bible. So the word picture that this describes is of a hero that appears from the battle, shining in the spoils taken from the foe. That's the word picture. So think about that, whatever your hero looks like. Like maybe you have a hero in your head and he looks like that guy's superman all right or he-man all right i mean dolph lundgren he-man i'm talking live action 80s dolph lundgren he-man all right maybe maybe that's what your hero looks like and and he rises shining all right in the spoils taken from skeletor and, and so and so you have that picture, and that's what he looks like. Just a great victory. That's what, that was what you, I want you to picture. And so basically the writer of the psalm, what he's saying here is that, God, you're, you're this hero, and you're rising, and, and you're appearing from the battle, shining in the spoils of your foe that you've taken. And, and that's the whole picture of it. And if we're going to condense that into something, you say, you shine. I mean, we have a song like that, right? That we sing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and it comes from here, here. And so, <laughs> so, so here it is. And, and that's basically what it says. So you shine. And uh, you are splendid. Uh, you give light. You're glorious. I mean, all of these things. You're the glorious one. You're exalted, you're noble, you're great. I mean, that's what it's saying, all those things. You see how that is in the word picture, though? Yeah, it's all in the word picture that they're drawing there for us. And, and so you can add other things to that, however you're picturing that, all right? 
And I hope I didn't ruin it with Dolph Lundgren, but I, I want you to, to, to allow that to really kind of get in your head of, of that's, that's our God, that's who he is. And to bring that a little more home, somebody look at, uh, keep your finger there in Psalm, because we're going to keep going back there. But it's Bible study, so let's hit a few verses here. Uh, let's try 1 John 1, 5. Anybody want to read that? 1 John 1, 5. Yeah, he shines, right? Right, and, and that's the idea. Now, John, and he if you look in the Gospel of John, you look into his epistles, he uses the theme of light a lot. And that's just part of what he, what he does, all right? That, that's part of how he expresses himself. If you go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, you see that, all right? You go to the epistle of John, 1 John, chapter 1. You see that, all right? And you see this idea of light. You see this idea that, that, that that's who God is. And, of course, John focuses, the Gospel of John and the epistles, they focus on Jesus. And so if we're going to really look at, at this idea of the conquering king, you're going to look at the great victory, you're going to look at this one who appears from the battle shining and the spoils taken from his foe, we're really starting to focus on and starting to look at Jesus from our perspective. Because we're looking backwards at this. And we're looking through the gospel at this. And so Jesus is here. Jesus is in the gospel. Jesus is in between right this moment and when this psalm was written. And so we can't help but apply some of him into what's happening here. And prophetically, the writer of this psalm, I'd have to believe, was looking ahead also toward Jesus. And of course, you know, we're, we're kind of staring at each other through Jesus as we're understanding what the psalm is really saying. Uh, people who have their land filled with the knowledge of God are happy. All right? But you can say land or you can say hearts full of the knowledge of God are happy. And, and there's something about that, and there's something about his presence, something about him being in the midst of his people that matters. It really does. Uh, a people who, and, and I, I, I say this because I travel enough to see this, but a people who don't know Jesus, a people who actively work against the gospel, uh, a people who actively oppose the good news, it leads to darkness in the land. And it may not be physical darkness, or it may be physical darkness, but definitely it leads to a darkness of the heart, and it leads to a darkness of the spirit, and, and it leads to a darkness that uh, it becomes more and more obvious as people are, are responding uh, and not responding to, to what's going on. And so... Um, I just, I look at something like that and I, and I, I consider that there are nations and you can think about these nations and you can think about some of the places that are actively opposing uh, what the gospel is about. And as you think about those nations and think about what, what do the people look like in those nations or what 
are how are the people living in those nations? And you know, I think of words like oppression. I think of words like repression. I, I think of depression. You know, those are kind of some of the words that come to mind as I think about some of those places. You know, uh, again, I've traveled to enough of these places to kind of get an idea. You know, I've, I've spent plenty of time in, in North Africa where some of the nations in North Africa actively, actively work against the gospel. They just do. I've been in, in Asian countries and I've been in Middle Eastern countries where the gospel is, is actively worked against. And, and it's my experience that it leads to issues in the country. It leads to issues among the people. Uh, and and I, I could say those words again, that, you know, that there, are, there is oppression, and there is depression. And sometimes you can even see it almost physically taking place in the land. And it makes a difference, it really does. Now, I'm not talking about places that are just ignorant of the gospel. I'm talking about places that have an active hatred of it. And, and I think there are consequences to that. And so you take that as a nation, and I know that's kind of weird for us to speak in terms of nations, and yet uh, as we travel and as we see these places, it's obvious. But think in terms of individuals, too. Think in terms of those individuals that actively oppose the work of God in their lives and how hard that is. And again, I'm not just talking about people that are ignorant to the gospel. I'm talking about people that actively oppose it. And, and some of the bitterness that you've ever experienced with people like that, or some of the darkness that you experience with people like that, some of the depression, some of the anger. Uh, and and it's, it's a, it really is a powerful thing in a negative way in people's lives. So on the other side of that, there's a certain happiness when our hearts are filled with Jesus. Certain happiness when our homes are filled with Jesus. Certain happiness when our lives are filled with the knowledge of God. There is. And, and even in your own life, I want you to think about this for a second. Times that you, you really let that go and you start pursuing other things. And, and how darkness creeps in. How depression creeps in. How things that are self-destructive creep in when we really stop pursuing the knowledge of God in our lives. We stop honoring it. We stop valuing it. And we start valuing other things. And you see darkness creep in. And when I say self-destruction, that's what I mean, self-destruction. And those kind of things creep into our lives. And you look at it, you can look back at it and think, I would never do that. Well, yeah. But I don't know if you've ever tied it together in your life that as you actively, or you weren't actively pursuing the knowledge of God, you weren't actively pursuing Christ in your heart, that those things, that's when those things began to really creep in. And you really need to consider that, that, that they're connected in some ways in our life. I'm not saying that as a, a warning or whatever. I, I guess maybe it is. I don't know if it is. I'm just saying that it's a connection. I'm just saying that somehow those things kind of move together in us and through us, and it should be something that we're aware of, at least. 
I know when I'm actively pursuing Christ, I'm happier. I know when I'm actively pursuing Christ that there's a, there's, there's a certain light around my life that's not there when I'm not. And, and you can say, Andy, aren't you always actively pursuing Christ? I wish. I wish. I wish I was intensely pursuing Christ as much as I am sometimes as I am all the time. But it's not true. And it's in those moments when I'm not really active in that pursuit that I find myself getting into trouble with certain places in my life, darkness in my life. I start feeling certain depressive tendencies in my life. I start seeing things differently and I start experiencing life differently because I, I don't have that activity in my life. John would describe that as light in us. I'm pursuing that light. I'm pursuing that, that understanding of Christ, that knowledge of Christ in my heart. And as I do that, there's a light that shines in me. And it's that light that drives out the darkness in me. And there's plenty of darkness to go around in each one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the friendliest, nicest person that anybody's ever met, and all you do is smile all the time. There is still darkness in you. In fact, if all you do is smile all the time, I'm watching you. All right? Because I think something's about to snap. I'm going to figure you for something bad, okay? Yeah, I'm watching. You, buddy. Yeah, look at him smiling over there. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm going to keep an eye out. Yeah. So... So what I'm trying to get at is this, is that we all have our darkness, right? <clears throat> Jesus is that light, and it's that light that drives it out. And, and as that light diminishes in us, more darkness abounds in us. And that's when the bad stuff starts happening. That's when the bad thoughts start happening. That's when the depression starts coming. That's when the self-destructive behavior begins. That's when the rebellion rises up. That's when the disobedience rises up. Or whatever you want to call it. It's when we get lazy. That's when we're tired all the time. It's hard to get out of bed. And we're laying in bed all the time. And I, or I could just keep going. Whatever. All right? Whatever, however it manifests in your life. I'm just naming off common stuff. All right? But however that manifests in your life, it's going to manifest. But it's directly related to your pursuit of Jesus. And so, get on it. All right? I don't know how to tell you any other way. It's something that you got to just be on in your own life. You're self-regulating. Right? Everybody's an adult here. Right? You've got to regulate that yourself. And then you got people around you that you know, try to help you. you got people around you that will you know, try and you know, encourage you on probably. But really when it comes right down to it, you know who's responsible for that? You. You, you're responsible for that and, and to keep that moving in your life. What does that look like? How can you keep that, that lit in your life? Well, maybe it's regular worship time. Maybe you're an artist and you want to paint. Maybe it's uh, writing poetry because you like to write poetry. Maybe it's writing stories. Maybe it's something like that. But it's pursuing Christ somehow in your life. Maybe it's reading the scriptures. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's something with music. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it looks like, it needs to happen somehow. 
You know, I, I've gotten into the habit of listening to the Bible as I'm driving. Except for today because I don't have a connection on my phone that has the Bible on it. And so I couldn't listen to it today. But you know what? I missed it. I missed it enough. It wasn't like I just filled the time with something else. I just missed it. And, and it's something that I'm looking forward to tomorrow. And I'm going to make up for today, tomorrow, and I'm going to listen extra. Right? Because it's something I want in my life, and it's something I'm going to pursue. And it helps me to continue pursuing Jesus. Or maybe for you, it, it's, it's music, and you listen to music, and you feel uplifted through that. You know, it's Christian music, whatever, worship music, or whatever it is, and you're feeling uplifted for that. Good. Whatever it is for you. You know, I, I'm, you know, I guess I'm that way sometimes, but other times, you know, I listen to some Christian music, and I don't like it. All right? Is that a sin? It could be, I guess, but I, I just the truth. I don't like some of it, so I, I don't listen to a lot of it. I don't know. Whatever. But it's up to you to, to regulate that. It's up to you to figure that out. It's up to you to, to get that moving in your life. So he's bright. He shines to be praised, to be exalted far above. And, and according to the scriptures, he's exalted far above every dominion, principality, power, and might. That's how he's exalted. So what does that mean for us? You're going to exalt him above what? Everything. Everything. And that's what he's looking for. And that's why he needs to be bright. That's why he needs to be light in your life. So that you will remember, yeah, he's worthy of that. Yeah, he is bright. Why? Because he's to be praised. That's why. To be exalted far above dominion, principality, power, and might. Okay, now the second part of this verse, you guys were reading it, because I had three or four of you read it, and every one of you read it and looked at it like, huh? Or you made that sound when you were reading it? Right? Yeah. Didn't you kind of? Like, what? What? Yeah, oh, yeah, we're doing that one? Yeah, I'm going to talk about that one, all right? Still, we're going to talk about the second half of it, too. All right, so what the second half of the verse say? Or pray, right. So, so he shines, what it says there, and so, and remember, what's the... What's the word picture? A warrior who appears from the battle, a hero who appears from the battle, shining in the spoils taken from the foe. If you guys just came in, we decided that he was a hero who looks like Dolph Lundgren from the 80s, <laughs> rising from the battle with a glorious mullet, glorious mullet, flowing. Brightly shining with spoils taken from Skeletor. Okay, however you want to picture it, all right. But that's what we were saying. That's what we were saying. And so, so keep that in mind. So now we're going to talk about the mountains. He's like, so, so you're more glorious, more glorious than the mountains filled with prey. That's the basic understanding of that. And, and so, 
Prey gives the idea of what do you think of when you hear prey? Hunting, right. And so it, it leads us into that idea of hunting. You know, it could, anyway. How do you distinguish a prey animal? By looking at them. Deer and headlights. No, right, but if you're just going to look at one, how do you know if it's a prey animal? What does it look like? Yeah, the eyes are on the side of his head, okay? All right, that's what a prey animal looks like, pretty much, all right? So, all right, so let's, let's take a quiz here. Prey animals, all right, uh, how about deer? Prey animal? Okay, good. How about a lion? Not a prey animal. Predator. Okay, good. All right. Let's keep going. You, you getting what I'm saying? How about a horse? Yeah. Horse is a prey animal, right? All right. How about a dog? They're predators. All right. They're they're predators. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing, but they're like this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, giraffes. What do giraffes look like? They're prey animals. Antelopes? Yeah. How about cats? Predators, right. All right, so I think you got it, right? All right. So, mountains of prey. Um... Uh, so I want you to think about the idea of mountains, and we're going to look at that, how mountains are used in the scriptures, especially in poetic literature, because they have certain meanings in poetic literature. But before we do that, I want to get this idea in your head, that we serve, and our God is the Lion of Judah. So a lion, we discovered and we decided on, is what kind of animal? Predator. Predator. In the mountains with what kind of animals? Prey. Prey. Okay. All right, so get that idea in your head. So you got the Lion of Judah, and you've got prey in the mountains. All right, and he's more glorious than that, but I want you to think about that scenario. All right, 1 Kings 20.23. We're going to hit some verses here. 1 Kings... 20, 23. Does that mean the lion of Judah is getting a fat meal? Uh, I don't, I, I'd say he has his share of prey. Yeah. And the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we, but if we fight against them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. Okay. So you got this verse in 1 Kings 20, 23. You got these heathens, right? And they're, they're talking about some kind of battle plan. That's what they are. So they're talking about some kind of battle plan trying to defeat Israel. And so their idea here is this. They said, all right, well, we got uh, their God is a God of the hills. All right, so they got it figured out. So he's a God of the hills. That's how they describe him. Uh, because he's strong, all right? So what do you get from that? What was common thought in that day about the hills? Strong or weak? Strong. strong, all right? And that's why we're reading that verse, because 
I want you to, to hear that. I want you to hear that they saw mountains as strong, as something really strong, and, and something that represents strength. All right? And so that was just really common there. In fact, in the literature, uh, in the writings, the, the poetry that we're reading, and even in some prophetic writings in the Old Testament, the, the mountains describe kings and empires. And I can give you some examples of that. And we can look at some of those, all right? Let's look at Psalm 46, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 46, verses 2 and 3. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. All right. So, again, you got an idea here in the sun. What does what the mountains represent? Something weak or strong? Strong. We're not going to fear. Okay, even if something really big and really strong comes against us, we won't fear. Okay, how about Isaiah 41.15? Isaiah 41.15. All right. Now, do you really think they're talking about mountains here, literally? No. And, and really what they're talking about are foes and really big things that come against us. And that's really what they're talking about. And so what I want you to hear from this are, are rulers and empires and kings and armies and whatever that comes against us. And, and you think about in your life, what comes against you in your life? I don't know. But if you want to describe it, you can describe it as a mountain. All right? And, but it could, because it could be impossible to move. It could be something that's so big, there's no way that it could ever go anywhere. Or it never do anything. How did Jesus describe mountains? What did he say? If you have faith, what can you do? You can move a mountain. You can tell this mountain to get up and move itself into the sea. Well, what's the mountain? Is it a literal mountain, or what's he talking about? But what is the mountain? Obstacle. What kind of obstacle? Big, big obstacles, right? Things that you've failed at maybe in the past. Maybe things that have conquered you in the past. Maybe things that have worked against you in the past and been successful against you in the past. Maybe. Okay, something makes it a mountain, though. All right, if it's something you can easily, like, just shoo away, that's not a mountain. Right? If there's certain temptations that come in your life that you don't have any problem with and you just shoo them away, those aren't mountains in your life. They're not. They don't count as mountains. Not even hills. Might be an anthill. I don't know, but it's not a mountain. If you shoo it away and it's gone, it's done, that's not a mountain. That's not the kind of work we're talking about here. So in their minds, these mountains are kings and empires and huge things that are coming against them, and there's no way they can win. There's no battle that, that they could actually win on their own. They understand that. 
And mountains are that way too. You, you can't get, you're not going to throw a mountain into the sea by yourself. And there are those things in our life that we don't easily overcome. There's those things in our life that we can't overcome in and of our own strength. That's what the mountains are. Mountains are things that are too big. They're too big for you to move yourself. They're too big for you to handle on your own. And you realize that. Unless you're a prideful person and whatever. And that mountain is going to crush you. Because that's what happens to prideful people. I, I hate to inform you of that. I'm just letting you know. There is nothing good that comes from pride in our lives. That's the sin of the devil. Look what happens to him. Look what's already happened to him. And he's probably smarter than you. All right? And probably better looking. But that, that is the sin of the devil. And, and you see what happened to him. All right? So no, nothing good comes from pride in our lives. Nothing. And not, no, no matter how many times I say that to people, no matter how many times I say that to people, they still insist on living in pride in their life. They insist on it. Like they can't live without it. That if they gave up their pride, that they would shrivel up and die. You know, that's a lie of the devil. It is. If they gave up their pride, that they would they'd just be losers. That's the lie of the devil. It's not true. And what pride does to us is it lets the mountains fall on us and crush us. That's what it does. And we don't have to allow that. Because if we recognize a mountain as a mountain, we're not going to move that thing by ourselves. We need God. We need some help. That's where the faith part comes in that Jesus was talking about. If you have faith, faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Faith in God. If you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the, into the, into the sea, into the ocean. Well, that's a recognition. And I want you to get this. That's a recognition you can't do it yourself. That's why you need faith. It's a recognition that it's beyond your strength to do it. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond your smarts. It's beyond your, your, your raw good looks and talent. Beyond all of that. That you need supernatural, divine intervention to see that mountain moved. And it's in those moments that you're going to find some victory. When you really, really see that. You know, I, I watch people run up and knock themselves out on mountains all the time. Over and over and over again. And I hate to see it. I hate to see it. And as many times as I say, you're not going to do it. Oh, oh, you're just putting me down. Why you got to talk me down like that? I'm not talking you down. I'm telling you, you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. You can run into that mountain a thousand times, and it will knock you out a thousand times. That, that nice head first run right into that rock on the side of the mountain. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's not going to work again. It was not going to work. Oh, but I'm going to get it this time. Nope. No, you won't. And I hate to be that guy because you're always the bad guy when you say something like that. It's not going to work. 
Hasn't worked yet. It's not going to work this time either. Nope. But I know something that will work, and that is God. God, he can cast that into the sea. All right? He can move that mountain. You got to believe that, though. It's not my faith that's going to move that mountain in your life. It's going to be your faith that's going to move that mountain in your life. You've got to believe it. You've got to see it. And so kings, empires, impossible odds, armies, whatever it is that you want to see from it, that is the problem. That's the mountain. And God, Jesus, is the answer. Let's read on Jeremiah 51.25. Jeremiah 51, 25. I am against you, you destroying the mountain, you who destroy the whole earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against you, throw you off the cliff, and make you a burnt out mountain. So what's the mountain to God? You worried about it? He's not worried about it. All right? He's not worried about it. And what that verse tells us is that we can't run into the mountain and make it our our stronghold. All right? I was just watching um, Lord of the Rings. And they ran into the mountain because they had a fortress built into the side of the mountain, Helm's Deep, I believe is the name of it. Passed out. <laughs> and uh, and so they ran to that because they were going to be under attack, and so they, they made the mountain their fortress. Yeah, uh, it seems like a good idea, all right? And, and I'm not saying anything. I'm moving away from the story now. I'm moving away from the story. I was just using that as an example of a fortress that's in the mountain. But the problem with that is, is that uh, that's not, our prerogative, okay, as Christians. We don't have the prerogative of running up into the mountain and making that our home. What do I mean by that? (laughs) What's that? Okay. Oh, oh, that, the show, you mean. Yeah, yeah. They lived on the mountain. See, the problem with us living on the mountain or, or making some kind of a fortress into the mountain is that the mountain is the problem, <laughs> all right? The mountain's the problem in, in, this, in this scenario. And, and that's what Jeremiah is addressing. You know, you make the problem your what? Your fortress. Okay, how do we do that? How do people do that? I want you to think about this for a second. What if you know, the mountain in someone's life is a physical illness? How do they make that their fortress? identify in other words instead of all right i'm sick i want to be well god heal me or help me get through this process of getting well or whatever instead they identify with the sickness i am now x because i have this illness you following what i'm saying i don't know if you understand what i'm saying so they identify with the issue They identify with the mountain. They become part 
of the mountain. What else? How, does, does, how else do we do that? Give me an example. I mean, I want you to really think about it. It's like you got this huge problem in front of you. How do you run into it and, and make it your home? What else is something that we do that with? How is that? Tell me. Okay, what else? Good. Food. Well, how do we do it with food? I'm tired and don't feel well and really hungry because I'm going to eat. I'm still tired and don't feel well, so I'm going to eat. Well, I've already brought, you know, I'm not, I'm not going along with my diet, so what am I going to do? I'm going to just eat some more. Going to eat some more, man. Right. All right. You could even become a foodie. Okay. Yeah, become a foodie and vlog. You know, blog about it. Okay, good. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's nothing healthy about that, though, in a sense, at all, right? And what else could there be? I mean, start. You start thinking about. It, so you start rolling in. The mountain becomes your home when you roll into it like that. Your fortress is in the mountain. You identify as that. All right? There's a problem with that. There's a real problem with that. In that, that's not casting it into the sea. That's not living in victory over it. That's not the place where God would have us to be. Think about anything. What were we going to say? Right. Right. Anything that you become a victim of and you live as a victim your whole life, you've entered the mountain and you believe that you can get a little fortress in there and you're going to live your victim life in the fortress you build in the very mountain, that's the problem. Okay, follow me. That's not victory. Right. And what did he just say about the mountain? And I, what did he say in Jeremiah about the mountain? He said he's going to crush it, and he's going to crush everybody in it. Okay? The idea here is do not become a hillbilly. You'll regret it. All right? time to step off that yeah it's time to forsake father and mother and sister and brother and leave the hills yep all right all right and i and i mean that okay and that that's spoken like a, a true swamp dweller okay do not become a hillbilly <laughs> you don't want to be in the swamp either but what I'm getting at, is, and I hope you kind of understand what I'm saying, is that there, there is no quarter. There is no provision for that kind of an enemy, all right, for that mountain. Don't make provision for it. Don't give it quarter, and it's definitely don't make it your residence. 
All right, that's something needs to be cast into the sea. And and that is a matter of faith, and that's a matter of God moving in our lives to see that happen. It needs to happen. Okay, one more verse here uh, in this section. Uh, Habakkuk 3, 6. Habakkuk 3, 6. All right, all right. There's God again, and and so what happens if this is something you've had going on in your life for a long time? Does He care? What if it's ancient? You know, by your timeline, He doesn't care. What if it's the age-old mountains in your life? Does He care? He doesn't care. He doesn't honor it. He's not honoring the age-old in your life. He's not honoring the ancient in your life. He doesn't care. What if it's been in your family for years? He doesn't care. What if it's something that's been passed down from generation to generation? Doesn't care. He's not honoring that. You shouldn't either. Get rid of it. It's time to cast into the sea. And, and hopefully do it before you have kids of your own. All right? Get rid of it now. All right? Get rid of it now. And and I'm just speaking to those that may have kids one day or whatever. If you're not going to have kids, get rid of it now. I don't care. Get rid of it now. Yeah. Right now. Get rid of it. Do it. Because there's there's no honoring the past, the, the ancient or whatever, in, when it comes to these kind of things. No. Nope. Get rid of it. He, he doesn't. They're going to crumble and they're going to fall. And, and that's what he does. And so we need to allow that to happen in our life. Okay, when you think about mountains, what's the most famous mountain in the Bible? Well, it, maybe it's not the most famous. What's the most famous mountain related to Christ in the Bible? Hmm? Mount of Olives. What else? Mount Zion. Yep. Okay, because you can think of certain mountains in the Bible. You think of Mount Sinai. You think of uh, Mount of Olives. You think of, what was the other one somebody says? Mount Zion. Okay, there's certain mountains that are pretty famous Bible-wise and stuff. So I want you to think about Mount Zion. Look at Psalm 135.21. Psalm 135.21. Where's Mount Zion? Hmm? Jerusalem. And as a side note, as a side note, do you know where um, Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him? You know, he went up on a mountain to sacrifice him? <laughs> I want you to think about this. I mean, this is kind of cool. It was on the mountain in Jerusalem where the temple was built. That's where he took him. Yeah, it was called by a different name at the time, and most people don't relate those things together, but they're directly related. All that's directly related. All right, so Mount Zion, 135.21. 
Praise be to the Lord from Zion, to him who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, that's a hearty one. All right, that's a hearty one. And that's true. And, and that's part of the understanding that we have that uh, is related to, part of the related to the idea of Mount Zion, is related to the idea of that's where praise comes and goes from, and it's also the idea of God's dwelling place. And so directly related to Jesus are a few verses. You ready? Romans 9.33. Anybody want to read that? Who's that? That's Jesus, right. All right, how about 1 Peter 2, 6? First Peter 2, 6. All right. So again, who's that? It's Jesus. All right. So these words were prophetic words that were spoken about Jesus, but it's kind of interesting because both of them refer to Zion. They refer to Jerusalem. They refer to that place that is the dwelling place of God. And what is said in both these verses is that they lay a cornerstone there. Who's the cornerstone? It's Jesus. All right. And an understanding that in the New Testament sense, that things that are being built, the kingdom of God, the, the church of Christ, that's being built is being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. New Testament style, all right? The New Testament style apostles and prophets are what the church is being built on. It's what we're all being built on and the cornerstone being Jesus. And what did those verses say about those who trust in Jesus? What happens with them? They'll never be put to shame. No regrets. There's no regrets in trusting in Him. No regrets that that we will never be put to shame because we put our trust in Him. And and so there there's this solid place, this solid one that we can trust in. And you know who that is. I'm going I'm to tell you, like, I'm going to use an opposite for you. You know who that is? Not you. All right? You don't even need to know the answer, but it's just not you. All right? So start there. It's not you. So pull your trust off of you. And who is it? It's Jesus. So we pull our trust off of ourselves and we put it on him. And so here we have the mountain in our life. He's the one. He's the one that's going to cast that into the sea. He's the one that's going to make it crumble. He's the one that's going to level it out. Not you. 
It's not you that's going to fix this. It's not you that's going to overcome this. It's not you that's going to make it right. It's not you that's going to be strong enough next time and it'll finally work out. It's not you. It's not me. It's not, it's not me that's going to overcome whatever it is that's standing in our way. And it's not you that's going to overcome what's standing in our way. It's just not. It's him. He's the cornerstone. He's the one that can do it. He's the one with the answer. Not you. Not me. And so I, I want to I wanna, like, just, just speak that over us. Because I think too many times, man, we, it's like me, and I'm going to do it this time. No, you're not. If you were going to do it, you'd have done it. And you didn't do it, so stop. There's a better way. There's a way that has been somebody way smarter than us has figured out for us and given us opportunity toward, and that's through Christ. Really. Mountains need to be moved. He can do it. That's what he does. Things need to happen. Uh, he's the one that's going to make it happen. Stuff needs to be overcome. It's going to be through him. Things need to be cast into the sea. That's how it's going to happen. That we apply our faith into the one who can do it. He's more glorious. He's more excellent. The Bible says in Psalm 4, 24, 1, it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's his business. There is nothing that you're going to face that he can't handle. There's no mountain that exists that he can't fix. And he can't get out of the way, that he can't knock down, that won't crumble before him, that he can't stomp out or cast into the sea. Nothing. Nothing. What problem is going to stand before you? Nothing he can't handle. Nothing. What challenge are you going to face that he is not able to deal with? Nothing. Every single thing we're going to face, every single thing that would be common to us as men and women, he can handle and he knows about. He understands. The thing about Jesus and, and the thing that we understand about Jesus is that he is human. And all of those things are common to us. He understands. And there's a comfort in that. And so as our faith is applied to him and toward him, he understands our predicament, he understands our situation, and he's more than able. He's more than able. Anybody have any questions or comments before we pray? You follow me on this one? Okay, good. All right. Good, we went from huh to shaking your head. Good. All right. Good progress. Good progress. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, I thank you for making a way that uh, we're going to face things in our life. We do face things. We have faced things. We're going to face things. That there are obstacles. There are challenges. There are things before us. Uh, some are bigger than others. There are mountains in our life that uh, maybe we've tried to overcome and we just can't. Maybe we looked at it and we just gave up before we even tried. And yet there's an answer in you. 
Jesus described it as if you have faith. Well, God, I, I pray that you would begin to uh, build that kind of faith in us, that we would begin to exercise that kind of faith in our lives and see it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Because, God, I thank you that you shine and that you drive out darkness. I thank you that you are greater than anything that we're going to face. I thank you that uh, you have answer for the problems that we face in our lives. And, and that no matter how large it seems, no matter how big it seems, no matter, God, how impossible it seems, that you are able. And so, God, I ask you that uh, we would begin to find a place of trust in our heart toward you, a place of faith in our, our heart toward you, and, and that, Father, uh, we would stop the uh, fruitless, fruitless endeavor of trying to move a mountain in our own strength, the, the frustration of trying to, to pick up something that large and move it in our own strength, but God, I pray that you would put a, a hope in our hearts and a hope in our mind and a hope in our spirit that maybe we can't do it. We can't do it, but you can. And so I pray we begin to trust you with these kind of things in our life, these, these big things, these impossible things, these obstacles, these challenges, these, these, these looming and overshadowing things in our life that are just so big so big that we need you God and and I thank you that these things come in our life to remind us we need you these things are before us so that we turn to you because we need you and God I thank you that when we need you that your love your grace your mercy your deliverance is there and so, Father, I pray that the process of figuring out we need you would really be a lot uh, more streamlined in our life. That when the reminders pop up and the mountains come up and the big things happen, I pray that we wouldn't be running around in our strength very long at all or at all, but we would turn to you. So, Father, tonight we turn to you. Some of us are facing some really big things right now. And so we turn to you. We turn to you in our, our suffering. We turn to you in our grief. We turn to you in our sadness. We turn to you in our need tonight. We turn to you in uh, our hopelessness. We turn to you in our depression. We turn to you in our lack of strength. We turn to you in our ignorance. We turn to you not knowing what to do. We turn to you in faith that mountains would be cast into the sea, that they would be made nothing, that they would be shattered, that they would be torn down, that a way would be made. So God, I pray that you have your way in our lives tonight. We declare trust, and we declare faith.
just want to encourage you, just before I say amen tonight, just to really consider something in your life. Some big things going on. And actively in your heart, actively in your mind, just really turn it over to Him. Turn it over to Him. Trust Him. And apply some faith to that. Even a little, little bit. But apply some faith to it. Just give it a shot. And let's see what happens. Let's really see what happens when God moves. Let's really see what happens when he, he rises up on our behalf. In whatever the situation is. Thanks God. Thanks Lord. Thanks for moving our lives, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 Let it be done. Amen. Good to see you tonight. And uh, thanks for coming out. We'll see you again soon.